Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Mansions ever built. Our sport houses its biggest names. Legends who have built their careers over the past century turned into legacies that will last for all eternity. Here's what's coming up as we lead you to the top of the hour. We induct two new members to the International Tennis Hall of Fame, a group that includes many folks in our TC family. Plus, a look at the coach behind a future Hall of Famer, Wimbledon champ Carlos Alcaraz. We're in Spain with J.C. Ferrero. And it's a case of bad sportsmanship that brought the tennis world together. We have the very latest. You don't want to miss this. Well, we are less than an hour away from the ceremony in Newport, the class of 2023, featuring a couple of wheelchair legends, Esther Vergeer of the Netherlands and Rick Draney of the United States. The festivities begin at 6 p.m. Eastern. Tennis Channel's Brent Haber will once again be the MC, and we will get you ready for it. Welcome into our studios in Santa Monica, California. Steve Weissman, the Hall of Famer in her Hall of Fame jacket. Looking good. Sam Shriver. <laughs> Prakash Amitraj to my left. What a day. Always a, a special one. What, what, what are your early thoughts on our two new inductees? Well, having been to my first Hall of Fame induction ceremony in 1983, it's one of my favorite days of the tennis year, and I think it's amazing that our sixth and seventh wheelchair player are going to be inducted into this amazing shrine. Well, look, you look at both of these, these players and what they've been able to do. I think for us, it, it pushes the bounds of what's possible, and I think that's sort of the biggest gift you can, you can take away. And you think of what Esther has been able to do. I mean, where do you stop? I mean, she's in the 40s with the, with the amount of majors she's won. She's in the 20s with the amount of year-end championships she's won. I mean, how do you keep pushing the boundaries like that? Absolute inspiration for all of us. They're going to get get a jacket just and like that. And a ring. You lost your I, ring? I did. I'll find it one day. Pam! I found can we, my blazer. Can we get Pam a, 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 another ring? A replacement I mean, ring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll talk about your story at the Hall of Fame. Plus, Prakash had, a, had an amazing run back in 2008 in Newport. We will get to yeah. that later in the show. But let's start with what happened on the court today. A couple of amazing semifinals. And we had some new history as well as Hugo Ember and Adrian Manorino in action all French semifinals separated by 10 years in age, Pam, but just two spots in the rankings. Well, when you see Manorino play, uh, he just has shots meant for a grass court, especially a lower bouncing grass court like what's in Newport. He's sneaky tough, and in the end, the all-lefty clash went to the more experienced one. Yeah, this was in the first set as Manorino was battling back, looking to close it out on his serve. He doesn't overplay, does he? That's, that's one thing I love about Manorino. And, and look, he was in a grass court final just a few weeks ago. Who, who, who did he lose to? Mr. Chris Eubanks. He's been having one heck of a grass court season, and he's one of those players who uses the surface to actually make his level even better. Humbert was kind of fighting against it at times and just seemed behind the whole time. So 135 and over player will get through to the finals with the other one? Would we have the other? On the other side, we had the All-American semifinal. One of these two men, John Isner, Alex Mickelson. 20 years separate these two. In fact, 
Isner was a freshman at Georgia when future Bulldog Mickelson was born for Kosh. Not to be, Pam. Not to be. We weren't, we weren't going to get over 30 final today. It was, it was this young 18-year-old who was just so impressive start to finish. We wanted to see how he would react coming out in the biggest match of his young career. And he was so heady all the way through. His shot selection was exceptional. And those little shots where you have to play improvisational, continental grip shots, staying low, bad bounces, he was on top of it all the way through. And every time he got a shot at a ball, took his time, played that ball at Isner, then found the opening, he just looked like... This was not his first time out there. And after he won that first set, so easy to get relaxed. But he kept the foot on the pedal, got that break early in the second set, and forced it through. Just 18 years old, Alex Mickelson, the youngest American in the top 200. Now he's the youngest American in the top Mickelson. 150. How about up to 140 in the rankings live right now with this win? A final for Mickelson. He's ranked above Rafa Nadal right now. Let's hear from the kid. How do you go into the final against Adrian Manorino? Yeah, total game, uh, game plan change. I mean, he's very, very good on grass. Nice, compact strokes. So, um, yeah, I'm going to have to call the coaches up and uh, see what we're going to cook up a game plan and see how it goes tomorrow. So here's our final at the Hall of Fame Open. Alex Mickelson and Adrian Manorino, the youngster, the veteran. Going to be exciting to see. We, we saw him serve that matchup, Pam, at love. So no nerves at all. What do you make of this guy? Well, AM squared tomorrow in the finals. I, I think it's incredible. You know, when you have a great run when you're a teenager, get through to your first tour final, it's a magical week. But he seems so present. He doesn't seem overcome by the situation. And talk about some compact shots for a young kid. He's adjusted well to the grass as well. Yeah, he really has. And all the shots that he's supposed to make, he executed really well. There are no really bad unforced errors out there. And shot making, as you said, uh, uh, Pam, the decision-making on a court like this, that's the toughest part. When do you choose to come in? And his, his ability at the net, covering the net, really mature beyond his years. Are you going to college if you're Alex Mickelson? What, do you, what are you advising him, Prakash? It, listen, it's, it's a tough call at this point, but I think for him, it's just it's a little bit more clear-cut. I mean, he could take his first title here. His ranking has gone already up into the top 150. If he's pushing the top 100, I think you've got to use that momentum and keep going. I think so, too. I mean, you can go to college anytime. I think, uh, given he won last week as well yeah. in a challenger level, I think he's ready. All right, we'll see. We'll see if he can get that title. That, that, that would be a big That'd difference big. for Alex Mickelson. We had more action today in Sweden as well. Let's head to Europe. Kasper back on the clay, looking for his second title here. Playing 21-year-old Italian Lorenzo Musetti for gosh. Yeah, one of the biggest uh, aspects of his game today was how well he served. They only faced one break point, didn't get broken the entire time, and he was doing what he does with his forehand. He ended the clay court season so well in Roland Garros. Didn't really put too much uh, uh, effort into the grass court season. As we know, took in more concerts than he did time on the grass, but he seems very excited to get back here on the clay and has been looking very good all week, dominating with that forehand. And today was a very comprehensive performance. A little tighter there in that second set. Musetti managed to push it to 7-5, but uh, it was Kasper Ruud really looking like the, one of the premier top couple play court players in the world. Went from watching the weekend to working on the weekend. How about Kasper Ruud getting his 20th win of the season? Third final of the year. He's backing up his ranking. He likes being back on that red clay. And Kasper Ruud is making his way into another final on this surface. Let's hear from the winner after the match.
Do you feel uh, home crowd support here in Boston? Yes, for sure. Uh, I have many family members, a lot of friends, and a lot of Norwegians here. Uh, so uh, it's it's great to play almost at home, and uh, it's this is the closest tournament to to where I'm born and where I live. So it feels uh, feels great to be playing here in front of the Scandinavian fans. All right, who's it going to be? Andre Rublev, Pam, looking for some revenge. She lost to Francisco Sarundolo on clay last year in Hamburg. Yeah, boy, uh, a different story today, but what a match. Two hours and 47 minutes. Rublev has been so tough recently. I, I think he's become a better competitor this year, uh, and, and he seems to play almost every week. I look at the draw, and there he is. And uh, boy, oh boy, you think uh, Sarundolo needed to win this tiebreak? Yes, and he does. And last year's champion is defending his title with great grit. And you can see Sarunilo trying to wrap up. We saw a few long tie breaks today around the world. Really good mental effort from Rublev after dropping that second set. Such a tight affair, 9-7, to be able to come back so strong in this third set. Not really let his body language go down. That's something that we've seen from Rublev at times. And what about Rublev fighting off 10 of 11 great points? Another indicator how mentally uh, tougher that he's become in 2023. And almost a nonchalant. I mean, he has this same ritual uh, that he does. But... He's expecting himself to do well in tournaments and lovely embrace up at net. Fifth final of the season, now 17-4 and four on clay this year. So it's Kasparud in his 18th ATP final, 14 coming on clay. Seventh meeting against Rublev, who leads the head-to-head 4-2. First time these two meet in a final. But Prakash, that note at the bottom, Rublev 3-0 against Kasparud on clay. How do you see the final going? Look, this is a little bit of a pick em. I mean, just based on, on form on clay this year, you probably do have to lean towards Casper. But as you said, Rublev has been putting up so many match wins. He's playing fantastic tennis, and he's, he's one of the top match win leaders on tour. So I, I think it's going to be a little bit of a pick em tomorrow. Yeah, I think fitness is one of Rublev's strengths. Um, we'll see whether or not he can be as stingy on the break points. I also love the way that... Uh, Rublev was able to only lose a couple of points on his first serve in that final set. So, in a final, I agree with you. It's a pick 'em. I can't wait to watch that one. We got a 250 event with a couple of top 10 guys going. I mean, this could be a final in a Masters event. This could be a Grand Slam final. It's exciting to see. And of course, we'll have it for you here on Tennis Channel. We are leading you up to the induction ceremony in Newport, Rhode Island. Two new members to the International Tennis Hall of Fame. But when we come back, we get warm and fuzzy with Daniil Medvedev. Find out his sleep habits as a new father. Don't go anywhere. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Just absorb that, Daniil. Are we allowed to nap? If you want to. Thank you, Balkid. Thank you, Diana. How do you feel now? Great. I, uh, I can nap uh, anywhere, anytime. If, you, if we laid you here, you could fall asleep. In two minutes, I think. If you don't scream. I think this is your good dad tip. Just yeah. be able to create that to sleep. Not bad. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, much tougher uh, with, a, with, a kid. with a kid. Michael Costa doing a fantastic job with those warm and fuzzy segments. Since I had three kids in 15 months, I'm the only one that can really lead to comment Very what true. it there means to be sleep-deprived. But men that have only, they only have one. I mean, wait till you have three and have twins now. Come on. Yeah. Prakash oh. and I combined for uh, zero. Uh, Sorry, uh, I, I left him hanging early uh, in the show. I turned to Pam. I had no God. idea. He, he <laughs> turned me into a zero. But he got me. <laughs> Good second serve. I liked your second serve. Thank you. Thank you. We, we, you know, we got we to keep it 100 it's, it's, here. It's a little salt and pepper thing going on that, uh, you know, Weissman coined back in Indian Wells. Enhance the flavor. Adds the spice. I remember that. <laughs> I was in the green room listening. So uh, the salt without the pepper, it was, it was all it very dispiriting. Yeah, no, 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 no. Exactly. We, exactly. The B block, we fix it all. All right. Uh, you can find all the warm and fuzzy segments on uh... tennischannel.com as well as our YouTube channel. But guess what? We are about a half hour away. They're getting ready there in Newport, Rhode Island. Looks beautiful. The speech is prepared. Two new members of the Hall of Fame. We'll be right back. He continues in Newport, Rhode Island. Former world number one and Roland Garros champ Juan Carlos Ferrero was on the ballot this year. He was also in the player box of Carlos Alcaraz at Wimbledon. John Wertheim went to JC's Academy in Spain to see how Carlito's coach developed the current world number one. There is, of course, no major tennis event held in Spain. But you can make the case that the Spaniards have colonized the French. Before this guy won 14 times on the clay of Paris, this guy always held up Roland Garros as the title to win. 2003, before the final, you're one of the favorites. You're playing a guy who nobody's heard of. What, what is that like? It's a lot of pressure. Everybody was thinking that I have to win that one because it was 2001 semis, 2002 final, and then I have a, a very good chance to win. So, you know, all together it comes with pressure. But yeah, the day arrive and uh, you have to do exactly the same as the other days. Is there a second match, uh, a second match? 
It was one of the moments that uh, even today I can remember that it was yesterday. The transition sometimes from athletes from retiring to figure out what to do next can be very tough. You seem Absolutely. to have done this very smoothly. I mean, uh, I think uh, have the academy was my easy exit, let's say. Not every kid here is going to be Carlos Alcaraz, but you have college players, you have some very good juniors. I think everyone wants to be a professional, but not everyone is going to reach it. It's also a way to grow up as a person. It's not only you evolve sport. as a human being. Yeah, yeah. It's not only sport and success. You know, you you know, respect for players and discipline. It's something for life. With his academy established, Ferrero began training various players with designs of making a mark on the pro circuit. And then, a teenager from nearby Murcia set foot on the grounds. Tell us the origins, the beginning of your relationship with, with Carlos. I met him when he was 12 or 13 here. He was playing a tournament. People came to me and told me that there's a boy that uh, plays, let's say, different. Uh, a lot of drop shots, uh, going to the net, and uh, very, like, let's say, dynamic on the court. But also didn't think, as maybe Rafa, that he's going to be, you know, in the future. But of course, you think, oh, come on, it's different. He plays good. Let's What's the hardest part about coaching Carlos? Warning him about all the dangers that, uh, you know, is around him. Being number one in the world, there's a lot of people that uh, he wants to be close to him. But on the court and off the court, it's, it's been easy. Uh, we have the same culture, and it's very important. We, we both are Spanish, and we think in the same way. Do you see some of yourself reflected in, in Carlos? He's different than me. He's very different. I'm, like, very focused on, all the time, very strict, as I said, and he's more, like, you know, relaxed. He's so much more powerful about physically. But I'm not trying to make him play as I was playing, because he's different. Supreme in California. He's described you before as almost like a second father. How, how do you describe your relationship with him? I mean, it's like my fourth kid. I have three kids at home, and uh, he's uh, the fourth. You know, I love the situation that, that we create because he's not only coach, coach and player, and we, we create something more. You respect each other? Absolutely. You know, absolutely casual fan hears about a Spanish player and it's always, oh, it's the next Nadal and uh, I, I want to know, how is he different from Nadal? Ah, it's Carlos, it's Carlos Alcaraz, I mean he, uh, of course, I think for the people now it has to be a new dream, I'll do whatever I can but of course it's very difficult to, you know, to win 22 Grand Slams it's, it's almost impossible to think but at the same time you can see Carlos how far he dreams and I don't want to say that uh, he can reach that that high, but I think it's going to be it's going to be high. Incredible work once again by our colleague John Wertham, going all the way to Spain, sitting down with Juan Carlos Ferrer. What, what do you make of that story between coach and player, and, and where they've gotten right now? Well, you know, you see so many players who are able to hire a coach, and all of a sudden they're able to perform well. But I think it's the special ones where it transcends that. And it's a different kind of relationship. Here you see him talking about, he's like, he's like my fourth kid. 
and and Carlos echoing that, and you know he's like a father figure. And I think when you see that, and you see the emotional scenes after Carlos was able to win Wimbledon, I mean Juan Carlos was in pure tears. It kind of takes you out of the sport and into you know that that human connection, and that we're able to see that on the highest level. But what I want to know is Juan Carlos Ferrero is sitting there in some of these biggest matches. I mean look 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 at the Wimbledon final, for example, and. He's able to um, keep it so calm. Yep. I mean, Pam, you, you're in these situations with Donna. Are you, are you able to, you know, just... That Sloan Stevens match on court one, I stayed very calm. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard. You know, one interesting thing is that you've got Juan Carlos, a former number one, coaching a current number one. And it's happened before. Billie Jean King coached Martina and also Lendl coached Murray. Both had, have been number one. It's unusual, but this one has lasted such a long time, and it shows you the importance of a developmental coach. Juan Carlos Ferro can coach both a Wimbledon winner and somebody from a junior to be a great player. Yeah, five days after winning Wimbledon, Carlos, for, uh, Carlos Alcaraz is back on the court playing Hotman Cup. We've seen it here on Tennis Channel. Losing to Vekic. Sorry. <laughs> Did I just spoil it? Sorry. Well, th this is where he wins. I, I believe this is against Goffin a few days ago. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, I pretty, got a great great haircut, by the way. He went to your barber for that. <laughs> well, listen, listen. I, I've been commenting really on, on, on the haircut. I think he went, I, he's got to, the fade has got to work in a little bit. I mean, if he ever makes it out to L.A., I got a guy to take care of him. <laughs> nice and but what I love is, I mean, just a few days after Wimbledon, he's he's still out there enjoying himself. I mean, he, he's keeping his word, obviously, because this is an event that he had entered and that meant a lot for him to come in and play. But you still see the same joy out there, whether he's winning points, losing points. And I just think it's remarkable coming straight off the Wimbledon final, which was such high stakes. Now, can I talk about this one again, Croatia? <laughs> I, I don't know if we have that highlight for you, Pam. But what, what, what did Alcaraz prove to you by winning Wimbledon and beating Djokovic, Pam? Oh, by beating Djokovic after losing that first set so easily and beating Djokovic not just at Wimbledon, where he hadn't lost on center court in 10 years, but doing it in a fifth set. Not that he had to prove anything after winning the U.S. Open last year and getting to number one, but that's the ultimate test. Besides beating Rafa yep. at Roland Garros, beating Novak at Wimbledon. I, I think he did have to prove that. I think in order to be number yep. one and say, I am the guy now, he needed to beat one of the big three, three out of five at a major. Now he's done that. Check. Now I'm a believer, Prakash. What... Who, who's your favorite heading into the U.S. Open? It, be, because he talked to us and he said, Novak is still yep. the guy to beat, is what he told us after winning Wimbledon. Who is the guy to beat there? Well, I think it'd be very interesting to see them play at this level on a hard court. Mm -hmm. you know, and then after the U.S. Open, if we're fortunate <laughs> enough to see them in Australia, which is a completely different beast, I, it's tough to lean one way or another with both of these going into the U.S. Open. I, I'd be curious to see what happens, who plays what, Toronto, Cincy leading up to it. But... This was, this was monumental, I think, for Carlos moving forward. He said it all year long. I got to beat him in a big match for me to feel that way, as you said, Steve. Yeah. So, but I also want to point out the way he went into the match. He said, listen, I know he's the favorite, but I'm going to believe in myself. This is not the time to feel tired, and I dream big. So I'm going to go out there and absolutely go for it. And to say that and then back it up. That means so much. And I'm going to make a bold prediction yeah. on the U.S. Open. It's not going to be either one of them to win it. I just have this feeling, given what's happened in the women's game for the last umpteen years, we're going to have a total stunner at the U.S. Open. Wow. Hot I take, Pam. I, I don't know what it is, but it's not, it's not going to be one of those two. Hey, you've been, you've been drinking some of that hot sauce that I was drinking earlier this year? Goodness. Well, we saw the warm and fuzzy with Medvedev. He's won it there. Yeah. There are other guys that have won it there. We'll see. By the way, at 20 years old, Carlos Alcaraz, if he retired today, would already make the Hall of Fame. Two major titles, world number one. Speaking of which...
We are getting closer to this year's ceremony. We will flash back to hear what our Tennis Channel teammates had to say in Newport on their induction day. Pam Precaution, Steve, back on TC Live. At this point, the speeches are written, and Esther Vergeer and Rick Draney know exactly what they will say when they get enshrined in the International Tennis Hall of Fame very shortly. But if they need some last-minute inspiration, here are the best moments from our Tennis Channel colleagues' Hall of Fame speeches. What I live is more than I could ever have hoped for because so many people nurtured me, they guided me, befriended me, pushed me, calmed me, challenged me, encouraged me, and most of all, believed in me. From the deepest place in my heart, there's a big thank you for everyone who touched me. I was five years old when I first uh, hit a tennis ball and a racket was put in my hand, and I never wanted to learn another sport, and I still don't. I'm proud to say that no other sport has benefited from having such great people as its leaders. The big four guys really pissed me off most of the time when I played them. But I'm absolutely proud to have my life and career associated with such, such quality individuals. This day is one of the most emotional days. I've already cried about six, seven times, but thanks to tennis, Writers and voters, I want to thank them for including me with an incredible group of champions that's up there in the museum. And I really hope that everybody here, before you leave, either today or tomorrow after the finals, you go up to that museum and you visit all the great players from the late 1800s all the way through to today. It's a remarkable museum and hall of fame, and I want to thank everybody here that makes this great monument to our sport possible. It really means a lot to me to be given this award from the Hall of Fame and to think that I'm in the same group as Don Budge, Jack Kramer, Rod Laver, Billie Jean King, Althea Gibson, Suzanne Langland, all of those people that have already been inducted into the Hall of Fame, to think that now I'm in that group is, is amazing to me. It's, it's quite overwhelming. I've given a very good part of my soul to the game of tennis, but as in life, when you give, you receive. And I must say that tennis has given me soul, and that debt I can never repay. Thank you very much. So incredible to be a part of this Tennis Channel family with so many legends, including Pam Shriver right here to my right. You were telling us a story about that induction ceremony while we were watching it. Yeah, I came from my honeymoon in Scotland where I was playing some golf and I lost all my luggage. So I showed up in Newport. I had to go get new everything. I was just going to comment. How did you look? You told me all that was stuff you had to get? Dress store out the main, to go left, two doors down, and bring your credit card. But meanwhile, Martina, of course, the last one that we showed of our team, She's the reason I got in, and it was lovely that she came back to Newport two years after she was inducted to present me into the Hall of Fame. That meant a ton to me. Yeah, I mean, it's so special to see these moments where we see our colleagues, our friends, that, you know, we saw them on the court in one way, and then what this sport has meant to them overall in their lives. Well, it's, it's a real pinch-us moment to be able to, you know, sit alongside you guys and talk about the sport that we all love so much. But I think when you, when you listen to those speeches and the names that are mentioned there, for a large part of tennis careers, everyone is, is going after largely individual glory, whether it's singles or doubles with your teammate. And here, to hear Tracy Austin talk about Don Budge, Jack Kramer, everyone else who's involved in it, it, it makes you realize about all the people that paved the way.
for you to come now and, and, the, and the roads that you're paving for all the future Hall of Famers to come. And you realize this beautiful tennis family that has created all this history and to just be around it, be associated with it, it gives you goosebumps. Yeah. And I, I think that's what's so special about the Hall of Fame. It, it really is. Every year, this is one of those special days. And, well, uh, a bunch of years back, you had a, a special day in Newport as well. Prakash making the finals in Newport. I mean... What wasn't as swole, but, the, but had plenty of style. <laughs> you know, back, back, you know, back on that Newport Center court, they used to call me Double O Chocolate, and I was a secret agent on that court for for a couple of years. Tell us about that run. Oh, oh no! See, look at why, 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 why does Dan look so happy presenting the trophy to Santoro? I saw Santoro at the French. I said, "You owe me one." And look at look at this. I'm not hiding it at all, that's man. My trophy. That's What's a sore, with my that's trophy. A sore loser face is what that is. You know. You know, I miss that young kid. A couple diamond studs in his ears. He was raw. He was raw, Weissman. You know, now he's all buttoned up in a suit, you know. Looking uh, arguably even better. Uh, said after the match, he is annoying. You play the point, you think it is over, and then you see the ball coming back. Magician. You know what? I still hold true to that. He is. He is annoying. You're watching this. You are an annoying man to play. And have you ever been underspin lobbed so many times like that, Pam? That's not fun. That was one of one of my weapons back in trick. the day. Yeah. I, I had that shot. I had that shot, and way, especially you, at Newport. You'd, you'd have been proud. You're not the only one with a forehand chip. I busted out the forehand <laughs> chip a few times on that Newport center court. That's all I had. All right, we are leading you up to the ceremony. It is coming up top of the hour, but when we return, we revisit one of the best stories of the year, and you can take that to the bank. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Next week, the ATP Tour stops in Georgia for the first hardcore event in the U.S. Open Series. Don't miss daily live coverage of the Atlanta Open on Tennis Channel and TC Plus beginning Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, part of our Summer in the Cities. Well, after his run to the quarterfinals of Wimbledon, Chris Eubanks will return to action in his home tournament in Atlanta. The former Georgia Tech star gets a current Yellow Jackets player, Andres Martin, in the first round. But let's take a moment to just celebrate the massive move that our guy, Big Banks, has made this year. Now up to 31 in the world, the fifth-ranked American across the entire globe beats Cam Norrie, beats Stefano Tsitsipas, up two sets to one on Daniil Medvedev. I mean, this guy's the real deal. Big Banks is getting it done. Yeah, I got a couple of things stand out. First thing I think about when I think about Chris. First, it's how much all of the players love him how much they all love and respect him and celebrate his wins because that's what he does for everybody else. And I think that kind of energy, it's contagious. It's what sport needs. So I love the fact that Big Banks is pushing that out there. And second of all, as we've seen here on our TC desk, this is one articulate man. And for him to continue growing his platform as an athlete to then be able to have the ability to put that out there and articulate all the opinions he has, I think that's something that's really important because athletes have that platform and for someone like him to be able to speak out on important issues, I think is wonderful for all of us. You know, it's incredible when you think about how many players have been injured or have been doing some broadcasting for Tennis Channel part-time, and it really does help their tennis. You become a better student of the game. For those of us who do some coaching, we become better coaches. So I, I love this, and it was so funny. I saw Chris the very the Sunday before <laughs> the tournament started. He'd just come from winning Majorca, and he saw me on the way to Orangi, and he didn't know where Orangi was. He'd never been to the practice courts at Wimbledon. He's like, Cam, where are they? I go, just go around court one to the right and then take a left. 
He found it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he found his way to the last eight club. Yes. I mean, pretty special. You brought up a great point, by the way, of other players that he has supported. And, and now Coco Goff, who he has supported and cheerleaded on so much. She's watching him in the quarterfinals and making that run. Naomi Osaka, she doesn't watch tennis for fun. She went out and watched Big Banks for fun in a tournament last year. And that leads us into the social net where Naomi Osaka... Well, just, I don't know, 15 days after delivering a baby is okay. back out at UCLA training. So if you questioned whether Naomi is coming back next year, there is no doubt that Osaka is returning at the Australian Open and looking for more majors. Right, Prakash? Well, I mean, look, whoever whoever you talk to, you know, who has been fortunate enough to have children in this world, say it completely changes your perspective on everything. So to be able to come back with something more that you're playing for, maybe that's part of what Naomi needed to feel that inspiration. There's going to be quite a mother's club on the tour. It's just growing yeah. each and every month. And I think you just have to look at Wimbledon to see what Spitalina did. And I think Osaka should get a lot of inspiration by how successful moms have been on the tour the last five, seven years. Yeah, Alina Spitalina, what, what a run she's had at Roland Garros and Wimbledon. Osaka said, one thing I'm looking forward to is for my kid to watch one of my matches and tell somebody, that's my mom. How cool is that, you, you see her physical trainer there, Abdul Silla, who's been doing great work with her over the years. Those UCLA track workouts, you start with those hurdles and those stairs. That's no joke, Weissman. She's Drake not, Stadium, been there, been there, done that. She's not messing around. <laughs> She's doing a lot of repetition on this one. It just keeps going and going. And, I mean, she, she, she may go to the U.S. Open. Who knows? <laughs> but great to see Naomi Osaka back out there in training. We look forward to seeing her in January back on the court. We are just minutes away from the ceremony to get going in Newport, Rhode Island. The folks filing in. What a beautiful sight. If you have not been to the International Tennis Hall of Fame, got to get out there. Make it a trip if you're a tennis fan. We'll be back after this. Driver Amitraj Weissman back with our hot shot of the day from UTS in Los Angeles, Prakash. So many good things to pick from. Where do we start? First, let's go with the little slice hands here. Spinning back. Fall goes at his head. Not only does Sheldon get the hands, but he gives him a little attitude. Fall like, get out of here with yourself. Look at this. Goes right at him. I love the swag at the end. Bring it. Bring it. There's a reason they call Ben <laughs> Shelton the mountain. You cannot go through the mountain. I was like, get out of here with you. <laughs> By the way, that's going to be on T2 in about an hour. It is night two of UTS. Don't miss that. Here is Championship Sunday's lineup on Tennis Channel starting at 5.30 a.m. Eastern. Hotman Cup, I know Pam's got her eyes on that. 10 a.m. Eastern. Donna Vekic will be playing there. Uh, we've, we've got all sorts of finals to get to, Pam, other than Hotman Cup. <laughs> what are you looking forward to tomorrow? <laughs> Newport. I mean, I'd yeah. love to see the final. Mickelson is really one of the stories of, uh, of the whole week. I, I want to see how he plays in his first ATP Tour final. That's going to be that's going to be my match of the day. But a little shout out to I mean, Casper Ruud and Andre Rublev. Yes. I mean, mm -hmm. this is this is a match that we could be seeing at 1,000 level events, as you mentioned. So to get that a week after a Grand Slam, that's kind of a beautiful Sunday bonus for all of us to enjoy. A lot of big matches ahead tomorrow. But the biggest night starts when we come back. It is the induction ceremony for the class of 2023 at the International Tennis Hall of Fame in Newport, Rhode Island. Our own Brett Haber is your host, and he'll have you covered after this.
Huge congratulations to Esther Vergeer and Rick Draney. Truly uh, a celebration of our sport, and those speeches were just immaculate. Yeah, Rick Draney going first, and to think how he revolutionized a whole new division, uh, the quad division in wheelchair tennis. Uh, fourth man to be inducted in the wheelchair area, Brad Parks. Great to see the inventor of wheelchair tennis there uh, in person. And then Esther's speech got to me in one line in particular when she said how every match was an opportunity for growth and for her to share what she went through as an eight-year-old. Wow. Yeah. Uh, gosh, it really takes you away from tennis. You know, it's the International Tennis Hall of Fame, but it just makes you look at what's important in life and the places that you can dig from to actually go to a level where you didn't even think was possible. And, you know, first you look at Rick Graney, not just what he's been able to accomplish in the sport, but then to put in so much effort to grow the sport so that that same gift and ability is able to touch others. And Pam, as you said, with Esther, I mean, look, uh, Weissman, you and I talk all the time, just kind of searching for any little bits and pieces of inspiration mm. that we can search for in this sport. And I, it doesn't get any bigger than what we just saw out there. I mean, as she talked about the similarities between tennis and life, the ability to adjust to any situation, to use tennis and the uncomfortable spots it puts you in to bring that growth out of you. What a, what a marvelous attitude. And, you know, I think so much of us on a regular basis don't appreciate every single thing we have. And when you live from that place of gratitude, as, as Esther seems to be doing, look at, the, look at the wondrous miracles you can achieve. Yes, and she says, tennis gave me confidence, tennis made me laugh, mm. tennis brought her back to life. And that's uh, a, a beautiful thing to see that a, a sport can do. And when we talk about Esther and Rick, just fantastic athletes, mm. right? I mean, Rick, who not only was a, a tennis superstar, but won a gold medal in rugby as well. And Esther, Esther I mean, you won 109 matches in a row, right, with Martina. She nothing, won nothing. 470 straight singles matches. Man. I can't even imagine 668 weeks at number one consecutively in any division. Unbelievable. And, you know, I just saw at Wimbledon, actually, all the divisions competing. And they even they had the finals on court one packed. And the entertainment value, the competitive nature, I mean, wheelchair tennis is extraordinary to watch. I actually would like to see a one-up, one-down, mm -hmm. like have an able body and then a wheelchair division. I, I think at the majors, that would be so much fun. I'd sign up for that one. When you talk about the, the, the mind, the heart, and the soul and what you're able to pull out, I mean, look, we're, we're all here for a short period of time in the larger scheme of things and in, in many ways, I mean, the bodies that we live in are just, are just vessels for what we carry inside us. And... Uh, you know, I think today is a great moment to be able to listen to what these two great champions, athletes, and individuals have been able to say and just kind of take a little bit of that perspective with us because I think there are so many ways that it can enrich our lives if we're able to apply it in the right ways. And it's unlikely that two wheelchair players only will ever share, be the only ones to share this right. special day. Mm. And I thought it was phenomenal to highlight wheelchair tennis and all it's meant to our sport. And we got to see some clips of Rick watching as Esther gave her speech. And you could see just the pride and the understanding. And, uh, you know, we are privileged to bring this ceremony to the viewers every single year. And this was, this was a special one. This we, was a special we saw one. Some, some tremendous Hall of Famers there as well in, in, in Rafter, Tracy, Mary, Mary Pierce, and, um, and, of course, Kim, Kim who's certainly going to be there. And to see the joy that they had, while, while watching this as well, 
it shows you the, the love and the community and what, and what these two individuals today meant to everyone. Yeah, you know, I like sharing this day in the Tennis Channel studio, but I, I look forward to getting back to Newport. It's been a few years. I'm happy that I made about 25, 30 of these. Uh, they are days you remember, and Esther's speech will go down. Rick's was fantastic, but Esther's will go down in top three all time. Absolutely. Powerful. Absolutely. It really was. Thank you so much for watching this special Hall of Fame edition of TC Live. We celebrate the class of 2023. Esther Vergeer, 169 singles titles. Rick Draney revolutionized what became the quad division in wheelchair tennis. Both immortalized forever in Newport, Rhode Island.